Welcome to issue 103 of Critical Encounters, a podcast about Marvel Champions, a living card game by Fantasy Flight Games. Here, we take a good look at that most critical piece of the game, the encounter sets. We'll discuss those poorly understood characters, unfairly labeled villains, and their various plans to shape humanity and benefit the planet, as well as those so-called heroes intent on thwarting them. I'm one of your hosts, Michael Boggs, and joining me tonight is Steve. Hey, how you doing? And Mike. Hey, Michael. Pleasure to meet you. Yeah, same. Well, thanks for coming on the show, man. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. It's It's been a while. I'm excited to be here. This is fantastic. So all you listeners out there who don't know who Michael Boggs is, uh, I want you to go find your copy of Marvel Champions and look at the front cover. He's on that cover. His name is on there. And I don't know, he might be standing behind Thanos. I'm not sure. <laughs> they painted me in secretly. And I'm actually the first name on the cover. You uh, are. Only because it's alphabetical. But still, my name is first. <laughs> Nice. alphabetical by last name i'm sure that was a fight yeah actually so that was a whole discussion uh, like traditionally nate french has always been first it's always been like ranked in seniority uh so it, it would have before been nate french caleb grace and michael boggs but uh they changed the policy for that uh a, a while back and now they do it all alphabetically so my name is the first even though i was the <laughs> least veteran member of wow the and therefore it might be first going forward <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you'll be down interviewing someone. You'll be like, okay, hmm, Mr. Mr. Artman. No, no, we're going to go with Mr. Zimmerman. We're going to go with Mr. Zimmerman. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so this is uh, an interrogation room episode where uh, we have you in the hot seat. And we're going to ask you a whole bunch of villainous questions and all that. Last time you were on, it was issue 25 for us, and we're at 103, so it's been a while. We've had a oh, lot of cards know, come yeah. out. Yeah. And uh, we, we've got some Galaxy's Most Wanted. We have the Hood most recent. So we're going to talk a little bit about those cards and sets and see, see you know, see what we can pick your brain about. So. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Sounds good. So for those of you listening in the future, the Mad Titan Shadows come out, the Hoods come out, and Sinister Motives, the next expansive, is on the horizon. It's been announced, and it's going to be arriving probably within the next couple of months, I imagine. Uh, so... That's where we stand. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Cool. Okay, so, Michael, like we said, we're going to talk about the hood. I want to know, um, what inspired you to create a scenario centered around the character of the hood? It's somebody I personally had never heard of until I saw the preview for this pack. Was that a character you knew, or was that a, how'd that come about using the hood? So, um, quite, quite a while back, I think it was during... The development of like the the first wave of heroes, Captain America, all the way to Hulk. Um, I got a lot of feedback. I'd seen a lot of feedback about how you know many people liked modular encounter sets. You know they would change up the scenarios and all that, and had a lot of replayability. So I talked to Nate French about potentially doing sort of just like a standalone pack that was like between ten to twelve modular encounter sets. I was really excited for it, but as I explained it to him, uh, he wasn't as enthusiastic. And the thing he didn't like about it is that, you know, it wasn't a pack you could just buy and play. You had to then take it and construct with it or, or you know, plug it in somewhere else, right? So his feedback, he was like, try to find a villain that you could essentially do that concept with. Uh, and if, if you can do that, then, you know, it'll get approved, no problem. So <clears throat> I went and talked to Caleb. I told him the idea, and immediately Caleb was like, oh, we should do the hood. And so Caleb described, you know, the hood and his whole journey to gather this big criminal empire and all that. 
Um, and sort of, you know, at that point, we wrote up a, a vision document, pitched it to the upper management, and uh, it was approved. And then we started working on it not too long after. So uh, it really came about first with the idea of the modular sets, and then Caleb helped push it into an actual scenario. Oh, that, that's an interesting um, way to go about it. I think that's great. You did the Green Goblin pack too, right? And that had a ton of modular sets in it. Yeah, yeah. I always try to put as many as I can. Um, it, it's hard to find the balance. It's hard to know for sure. Because I know there's also a lot of players that don't really care about modular sets. They just want to play uh, the, the scenarios as they are sort of originally presented. Um, but uh, myself as a player, and I, and I know a lot of other people, like, I think it's fun. I love the variety that it adds to the game. So, yeah, any any sort of product that I've worked on, I've tried to really squeeze as many as I can into the, each each box. I think you get it. You did a good job on this one. And in order to play the hood, as suggested, you you have to shuffle in all those modular sets. So that's a lot of fun. So um, for the, for those folks who want to use whatever modular sets you're supposed to, well, there you go. You've got seven <laughs> to choose from. So uh, out of that, out of the hood modular sets, do you have one modular set that like you're particularly proud of, or that you enjoy the most? You think's the most fun? Um, I would say probably two come to mind. I, I think maybe my favorite one is the uh, Streets of Mayhem set, the one that like it's just like four environment cards, and it just gives yeah. bonuses to both sides. And it's a pretty easy set. It's sort of almost like a supplementary set that you should probably include with other things. But I like how it just changes up the game. It just I don't know. It just really adds a new dynamic that isn't common in a lot of scenarios. Um, so either that one or I also really like State of Emergency, the one with all the side schemes. And then there's the uh, there's that one treachery called Citywide Crisis that like comes up and resolves all the win revealed abilities. Yes, I mean, yes, it's a mean set sometimes, especially in the in you know the right situation. But I just I think it's a lot of fun to like try to scramble to get rid of the side schemes all the time so that Citywide Crisis doesn't just totally you know mess you up. So all these yeah, two, I think. Uh, yeah, those are both great. I recently played with them and uh, I. Citywide crisis just wrecked me when it came off because I was, <laughs> was not getting rid of side seams quick enough. Yeah. yeah. So you were designing this really early on. I think a, a lot of people are surprised at the fact that when by the time the product gets back to us, it's it's like we're having a conversation and you have a lag of about a year and a half in that you've already moved on to things really far ahead and uh, people people forget that uh, oh. You know, this uh, I, I gave feedback about this product a month ago, and then this new pack came out, and it fixed my problem. Misunderstanding that there's a whole train of production that has to occur in the meantime. Yeah, that's uh, that's definitely something that has sort of been common in my experience. Like, you know, yeah, it, it takes so long for us to design and develop, but then also, you know, send it to the factory and it's printed and then just shipped across the ocean and stuff. Like, it's it's oh yeah, between a year and a half to two years at the at the very least. Got it. Okay, so along with those those modular sets, and by the way, I do love that they all kind of have a similar feel to them. I really like being able to take sets that thematically go together and throw them in other campaigns so that it all kind of feels cohesive, like taking all of sure, the space yeah. stuff out of one set and throwing it into Red Skull. So I just recently took all the hood stuff and threw it into the Mad Titan Shadow, and I had a blast with it. And then at the end, I took all of the Mad Titan Shadow stuff and threw it back in the hood and had an equally fun time with it. So it was, I do love that cohesion. But there's two other sets in there. There's Standard 2 and Expert 2. And I think that surprised a lot of people because we, we hadn't expected that. 
Uh, what was the goal behind making those modular sets? So those sets kind of came about um, actually during the development of the Kang scenario. Uh, so for a long time, the the Kang scenario pack had uh, just the the normal standard set included in it. Um, I don't remember Caleb's reasoning, but he wanted to you know release another pack with the standard set. And we were told at the end of development, I mean, like we were, this thing was like going out the door. Uh, we were told that we couldn't do that, that the standard set was core set only. We weren't allowed to put it into the Kang scenario pack. I, I don't remember why, but uh, we absolutely were not allowed. So, uh, you know, Caleb ended up changing things around and, and still sort of like filled out the pack. But afterward, we asked, well, you know, if we could we potentially make like an alternative standard set and put that in a future pack uh, and that was fine uh, so that's sort of where the idea deal was first uh, generated um, on top of that around that time during kang's development we were just getting flooded with feedback of how easy the game was we were seeing it on you know forums <laughs> and facebook and reddit and we were getting emails about it like is the game supposed to be this easy um so you know around that time we had a lot of discussions of like how can we make the game harder. And and I think actually around that time was also when we decided to sort of, you know, offer up sort of a quick solution and we created heroic mode. Uh, but that was really just something that we could do immediately. We always knew that there would be things later that we could sort of do to make the game harder, but it would just take time, at least a year and a half to two years. So a standard two was sort of that answer in a way. It was... Um, supposed to be something that increased the difficulty of the game if you wanted to plug it in. And actually, like, it's interesting that you bring up that Standard 2 and Expert 2 are, are a bit kind of different than the rest of the pack because those two designs are really Caleb's designs. I did pretty much the rest of the pack, uh, but Caleb felt very strongly that Standard 2 and Expert 2 were important to the longevity of the game. Uh, so he sort of, he created the initial designs. Uh, I took them to playtesting, but whenever I would try to, you know, or not try to, but whenever I would need to make a change due to feedback, I would actually go to Caleb and ask him, like, oh, are you fine with this change? Because they were his designs. Um, and, you know, the end product is sort of his his vision. Um, so, like, it, they really are different in a way, both sort of in their goals, but also in who designed them. Whoa, whoa. So you're telling me that the two sets with double the amount of surge on them came from <laughs> Caleb? No. <laughs> uh, so, some of those instances of I, I think it was um what is the attack card in standard two it's uh got carnage on it i can't remember the name of it total annihilation no that's total uh, annihilation total... is that the one yeah yeah yep yeah it's just the villain attacks you this attack gains overkill and it has surge on it <laughs> yeah yeah so for the longest time that one was just like i think it was just like the villain attacks you with plus one atk it was basically assault but the villain got a plus one atk and it had like a boost ability um and we were you know i i think it was toward the end of testing and it was just decided that it wasn't it didn't increase the difficulty enough it was almost like a light slap on the wrist i guess so uh yeah the surge was added and it's definitely it definitely increases the difficulty now it's uh it, that that whole right. set is like if you want to challenge like shuffle in standard too because it'll make things harder for sure for sure yeah well, since we're talking about difficulty, uh, I think I'll jump to this one. I've asked a couple of people this, and it, it, you mentioned the feedback you got. People saying, you know, the game's too easy. And I'm sure if you, you go on the forums now, you're going to get 
a plethora of different options. I mean, Galaxy's Most Wanted get generated some debate. I'm sure, like the Hood has generated some debate, and it's a it's impossible to to hit that sweet spot and satisfy everyone. So, what are the deciding factors when determining the base difficulty for a product? How do you how do you aim at something that has no target? Yeah, I mean, it, it is it is tricky. Our audience is incredibly broad, um, and it's it's something that's always been a challenge. Uh, I think you know we eventually settled on it, it took us time, but we eventually settled on the idea that a standard scenario should really be beatable by the majority of pre-built decks. Uh, not every single pre-built deck is going to be able to stand up to every scenario, and and I don't think it's realistic to expect them to. But as long as most of them, 75 to 80 percent, can beat a standard scenario, then um, that's that's kind of our metric. Uh, expert requires it should require deck construction, um, not perfect fine-tuned deck construction, but you know decent deck construction. I make a deck that is good that's not just you know totally has no combos or no sort of synergy at all um and then you know anything beyond that is sort of sort of up to the player in a way which i know a lot of people don't really like us saying oh you know it's kind of your choice but it sort of has to be because of how broad the audience is because we have so many people we are appealing to like there has to be a level of customization on the players end so that people can, you know, sit down and play with their group of hardcore friends who want the, you know, strongest challenge, but also can sit down and play with their, their, their child or their family members who don't play a lot of games. Like that is the audience we're trying to hit. And unless there's this level of customization, like that's just not going to be realistic. So um, we really try to focus on the modular nature for that reason. Um, to you know, make sure that if you do have a favorite villain, but the game is out of your reach because either it's it's too easy or it's too hard, like you can decide to to change that up and and kind of make an, it, it an experience that's right for you. you. Hear that, folks? Right from the designer's mouth, you can change the game to to suit your needs. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> nice. That that's Mike's mantra. He play the game you want to play. Put in what you want. Maybe remove the environment from standard two if you don't like that. You know, as long as you're having fun. And then uh, I think Caleb was on a couple uh, episodes ago, and he said the FFG police were coming to get him. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's I, I think in some of our other games the FFG G police would definitely bust down our doors. But uh, it's it's kind of one of those things. Like we try to design and develop the game, to, you know, to make it as good as we can and as cohesive as we can. Um, but it is just, you know, just a fact that some people are going to sit down and really enjoy what we've put together. And some people are going to sit down and be like, this is too easy. This is too hard. I don't like this one specific card. And like in a competitive game, you kind of just got to deal with it. But in a cooperative game, if you really don't like something, it's, I mean, you can change it. Like it's, it's that we do create an experience that we hope you'll enjoy having, but if you don't like it's, you totally have the power to do that. And, um, Neither Caleb nor I will get angry if, if if you make an experience that's more enjoyable for you. All right. And Nate? Nate's okay with that? No, Nate hates it. He absolutely doesn't want you to do it. <laughs> we don't tell Nate. Going along with all that, you know, we we support the villains on this show. And for a long time, the villains were just getting their butts kicked by these heroes until the Gugs galaxy's most wanted came out and then we got some villains that like were hero worthy was that a conscious effort you think to make the guardians wave a little bit more difficult or did that was that just happy for us villain fans 
<laughs> it was definitely conscious to increase their power levels, um, you know, because of all the feedback that we had received. I think that ultimately the Galaxy's Most Wanted came out harder than intended, uh, mostly because of some last minute changes that were sort of pushed at the end. Um, and it just kind of affected the balance in some ways that were unforeseen. But the general idea that the box should be harder than previous products was very much intended, um, just not quite to the level that it was. Well, we were happy to see uh, characters like Nebula get her due. So Yeah, yeah ne- if you're not careful, Nebula will definitely, uh, she's, she's mean sometimes. Since you've been on, we have gotten a ton of new content, right? We have, um, well, everything, the core... Wrecking Crew, Goblin, Rise of Red Skull, Kang, Galaxy's Most Wanted, Mad Titan, Shadow of the Hood. Do you personally have like a favorite villain you enjoy out of those released products that maybe you like to play against or you just like to see people playing against? Mm, that's a good question. I, I I feel like we actually we haven't topped Rhino yet. I think Rhino is probably still <laughs> our best design. Um, everything else has just been chasing Rhino, so... We're laughing that, because we just got our butts kicked by Rhino. <laughs> really? Really? Yep. What happened? Uh, we gave him the Infinity Gauntlet and oh, okay, Hector yeah. 2 and what was the other one? The Goblet gimmick, so he was Goblin. riding a glider with the gauntlet. Mm. Yeah. Yep. That's why I designed Goblin gimmicks, was just so you could put the glider on Rhino. Like, that was it. That's all I cared about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a dream come true. He's flying around with the Infinity Gauntlet and he just wrecked us. So... I think it's it's kind of hard for me to choose. Like, there's a lot of different villains at this point, and and I like a lot of different villains for a lot of different reasons. Um, I I I do personally really enjoy the hood. I like the variety that comes with it. Actually, I think I I tend to be most attracted to designs that sort of like feel different each time I play it. Uh, so I think the hood is an example of that. Uh, Nebula, for instance, is an example of that. Uh, Loki is an example of that. Like, I like those designs where the fifth time is, you know, there's always something new that happens um, compared to some designs are just a bit more static. I love Ultron, but I don't play him that much because I feel like usually games against Ultron feel kind of like the last game against Ultron. Um, so really anything that, that adds a bit more variety is, is what I gravitate toward. Yeah, the hood will definitely do that. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah, absolutely. So going back to the hood, there's a lot of moving parts in the hood scenario pack. Uh, how how do you even approach the design of a scenario this complex? I mean, you said yourself, it's different every time you play it. If it's different every time you play it, uh, how do you start? Because <laughs> you, you, <laughs> nothing's constant. Sure, yeah. I mean, it's it's tricky. I mean, this scenario was very... It, it took a long time to sort of get it to a point where it like actually functioned like some scenarios you sit down and you'll put together the first iteration and it's not tuned or balanced but like the core is there it kind of it works uh the hood i mean it was it was a challenge just to get to that point uh and then there was also some challenge too like i had i think it was like two different iterations that um i just i was kind of told that they were too complex uh, and i just had to scale them back there was one for instance that had like uh, tokens, I believe you would like build up tokens, and after you got to that point, that's when he would do his foul p- play esque thing. Um, but I, you know, it, it, there was already all these scenario sets and stuff, and the t- tokens needed to be removed. So um, getting it to the point where it worked and that it also wasn't just too overwhelming or too heavy was it, it was really a, a kind of a, a tightrope to, to walk. It was it was very tricky to do. The first time I played it, 
I felt like it was a tightrope because you see all these abilities and they just seem like foul play is, is going off and it's jiving with the, the treacheries that are, it's a treachery that, that pulls it off and, and the sets are being mixed in at just the right time to keep the encounter deck at just the wrong mix. And it's, I'm like looking at this finely tuned watch and that's why I asked this question because like, <laughs> <laughs> how do you cut that gear? Right. So. I, I appreciate that. Yeah, it's, it was it's, a lot of fun. It's always it like that's always the goal, right? You always want to get a scenario that sort of sings in a way that 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 just sort of it just works. It just feels fluid. Uh, the hood is uh, quite a bit trickier just because, you know, there are going to be some games where foul play triggers more or the sets you get are just way harder than the last ones. And um, I think it's a lot of it really does come down to the sets that you choose to sort of include for that that specific playthrough. Um, but yeah, there are, there are going to be instances where he just he throws out a lot of cards or he doesn't throw out that many cards. And uh, it's just sort of a necessity of, of the design to make sure that he's building up his deck, but that also he's not just totally losing efficiency and becoming clunky over time without any sort of reward for it. So um, right. I appreciate you saying that because it, it was a... It, it was very, very difficult to get it to the point where it felt like it was product worthy. Yeah, it must have gone through a lot of iterations. Yeah, it absolutely did. So uh, along those lines, since we're, we're talking the hood and foul play, uh, what black magic did you invoke to ensure that foul play never whiffs? <laughs> <laughs> I, I would tell you, but I can't let you know. If I tell you my secrets, the mantle of designer will pass to you. Um, <laughs> and I just I can't can't do that. Uh, it does seem to hit pretty it is unreal. Like testing I, I don't yeah. remember it being that much but i was actually playing it a couple weeks back and it was kind of just like I, this has to miss eventually like this yeah is, like you know statistically it will miss eventually well this is what i meant about you know the finely tuned watch is that by the time it really starts going off you've emptied some of the deck and shuffled more modular sets in so the stats do go down and then it, yeah, it's just, yeah. eventually you you realize you're playing heroic one, and you've just been fooled, fooled by this villain. He <laughs> <laughs> was like, "Oh, sometimes this might whiff." <laughs> yeah, it never does. <laughs> We're still on the hood here, and you talked a little bit. You know, you kind of went with mechanics first or desire for this product first, um, and then found the hood. But maybe outside the hood, or even with him, how do you decide, like? A villain in the Marvel Universe typically has been around for decades, and they have all sorts of different pieces to their career. How do you end up designing or deciding which part of that villainous career you want to focus on when you're making cards for them? That often comes down to Caleb's decision. You know, he is... Yeah, I, since I've been working on the game for however many years now, like I, I try to read comics at least a few times a week, but... Caleb has been reading comics since he was a little little kid. Like he's a nerd. He's a real nerd. I'm not as nerdy as him. Um, but you know, he he has all this knowledge that I just don't have. And so whenever a character comes up, especially a character that's a little more obscure, like the Hood, um, he is he, he's usually the one that makes these sort of decisions. So the Hood is a great example because he's he's kind of had a lot of variety in his theme he he sort of had the whole criminal empire that he built up which is what we chose to focus on uh he had this like he was sort of possessed by a demon at one point 
Uh, he went out and like got the Norn stones, which are kind of like the uh, Asgardian and fantasy stuff. Yeah, he's done all this stuff. But and the cool thing about him is he doesn't actually really have any powers. Like just he he himself, he's just got some guns, and he's just a really ambitious dude. And he just like he's just he's like I'm gonna be a bad guy, and then he just goes out and does this stuff, and nobody pays attention to him because he's just like a normal guy. Uh, and so he just sort of is under everybody's radar and um, just does all this crazy stuff. So. Um, when we were talking about, you know, which which villain to choose for the modular set pack, Caleb was like, you know, we should do the hood. We should do his his criminal empire. As I was doing research, I would sometimes approach Caleb and be like, well, he's also got these other things. Should we have like a, I think I suggested like a, a demon form at one point, uh, even like an attachment or something. But, you know, Caleb didn't want to do that. He wanted to focus on just one specific part. And, and that's kind of how we've done a lot of the heroes as well. We'll sort of find what we we think represents them the you know most um sort of represents them the best as a hero within the consciousness of of sort of as many people as, as we can represent them to and then that's kind of the version we stick with so the the villains are you know no different usually okay yeah i wasn't sure if you were um constrained to like maybe set set your own limits on time periods we're only going to do things that are more modern or we're going to go all the way back to the 70s and look at these these villains or, or the heroes too so there is sort of a soft kind of a, a a soft bubble on time period like we can kind of push back to the 90s for well-known heroes um but we've been told that we really shouldn't push further than that some characters that we do though you know haven't really shown up in the comics since the 70s or, or 80s I, I think it was some some enemy or some villain or something we were trying to do i think it was was it an Adam Warlock stack? One one of the one of the heroes in the Mad Titan wave. It was a specific enemy that we wanted, and like the last time it had shown up was like 1982. And so it was like, well, this oh, is the wow. exception to the rule, right? So um, there are definitely instances where we can break outside of that bubble, but usually we try to stick to anything 90s or later. So so that might mean we won't get a paste pop Pete villain. Oh, <laughs> well, I I don't know if that's how far we have to dig back. <laughs> <laughs> that's a modular set we're dying for for some reason so i don't even know who that is but i already want to do it yeah uh, the only image i have is a. Uh, it's a panel where spider-man's like laughing is <laughs> gasping his gut and laughing because the, the guy's introduced himself as paste pot pete that's pretty great. he has a pot full of paste and he shoots it at you <laughs> and it sticks <laughs> yeah so. from a super soaker yeah, I should have yeah. put him in the hood pack. He should have been his own set. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, there you go. You can use that next time, whenever. Yeah, yeah. The hood, too, with Pace Pot. Okay. So we also have a lot of new heroes in the game since you were on last. Uh, is there one of them that you particularly love to see get beaten up? Oh, man, I think uh, you guys asked me this question last time, right? Yeah. I know, but now the rosters. Yep. I think so, yeah. yeah and so... I think my answer was Captain America. I think it's still Captain America. Only because he's Caleb's favorite. Like anytime Cap gets hit in the face, I'm happy. After Cap, though, maybe maybe Star Lord. I feel like uh, he. I don't know. He kind of deserves it. Like both thematically and mechanically. So one yeah. of those two. <laughs> okay, that's good. That's great. Yeah, I I agree. Those are good choices. Those are good choices. <laughs> They're both kind of smug as well. They yeah they the, the villains yeah. So we 
looked at uh, standard two with all that surge on it. We know that Caleb loves the surge keyword. Do you have a favorite keyword out there that you like, maybe for the villains or for the heroes? Uh, I shouldn't spoil it. We haven't introduced it yet, but I really like surge two. I'm excited <laughs> that one. Okay. All right. But I'm after, looking forward to surge two. <laughs> after surge two, maybe the one that we have in the game now is steady. I like I like I like how steady adds sort of like that extra. I don't know, layer. It just it kind of adds to the puzzle a little bit. Um, I often forget about Steady. <laughs> I'm like, ah, you're stunned. I'm like, wait, no, you're not. You're still going to hit me. But uh, yeah, I, I feel like that's uh, that's probably one of my favorite keywords just in the game, but also to to use on villains that want to be a little a little meaner. Yeah, that does add a whole new wrinkle to the stunlock decks and gives the villains a little bit of a chance to not get thwarted so quickly. Uh, yeah, yeah. I need to experiment with that more. I don't know. I don't know. I think I need to see it in multiplayer more. In solo, I wasn't quite sold on it, but I can see in multiplayer that being actually adding a lot of tactical decision making. Sure, yeah. All right, so I've asked, I've asked a couple of people this now, and I'm going to get your opinion as a designer of the game. What is the one specific thing that you want to see the look on our face when we open it? And it could be you know, as generic as you want. It could be from your upcoming box. It could be something later on. Uh, it can be a scenario, a box, a story arc, hero, whatever. Whatever. What do you What do you think? I think for me, definitely the the, the sinister motives box. Um, that was uh, I don't know. It was kind. Of, you know, I've always been a huge Spider Man fan. I've always been a huge Venom fan, um, and all of the villains associated with Spider Man. So to be able to design scenarios around them was kind of a dream. I mean, it was kind of the only thing I ever really wanted to absolutely do on marvel champions everything else has been fluff but the spider-man stuff is is kind of you know where where um my passion is so to be able to do that was was pretty pretty awesome and and i think that people are really going to enjoy the box Uh, there's a lot of stuff in there that we haven't spoiled yet and i think people are going to be really really excited when they finally see it is it cruel if i ask you to pick a favorite child out of that box favorite (laughs) scenario oh man um Kind of. Uh, <laughs> let's see. It would probably come down. There's one of the scenarios we haven't we haven't spoiled yet. I like that scenario a lot. But of the ones we've talked about uh, on our on our website, it would either be Venom or Mysterio. I think. I, I also really love playing against Sandman, and I really love playing against the the Sinister Six. Um, but Venom sort of creates this dynamic where like. You want to attack him, but you only want to attack him at the right time, and you really got to set him up. And it's like you got to plan ahead with Venom um, because of his his vengeance. He's going to build up these boost or yeah boost cards and and kind of like hit you really for a lot of damage if you're not careful. Uh, and the Mysterio is sort of one of those like at first he it's like oh Mysterio is not so bad, and then there's always like a halfway point where you start pulling all of these encounter cards from your deck that he's loaded in throughout the course of the game, <laughs> and none of them are all that bad, but like just together it's just like oh my goodness like my I look at my deck and I have ten cards left and five of them are encounter cards like it's I I, I love how each one of them sort of just plays in, into sort of the, this like different. Um, just kind of a different puzzle that we haven't seen before in any other villain. So I'm right. probably excited for both of them. Well, you said before you like how, how scenarios like to play differently. So I think we certainly saw that in the, in the preview article. Yeah. 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 Hopefully in a preview article, speaking of preview articles, we saw Nova was announced 
and Nova comes with Armadillo. That's kind of a new yes. thing. Are you able to talk about that at all? Yeah, yeah, I can I can talk about that. I can talk about that. He, um, so with all of these hero packs in this wave, uh, we decided that, you know, sort of per the feedback that we got from the hood during testing, um, we decided that it would be exciting to sort of expand the modular encounter set even further. So um, for for this Nova pack specifically, you know, we, we've got Armadillo in there. Uh, Armadillo, I believe, has six cards um, and they'll be at the back of his pack. They're sort of like an additional thing. Uh, they replace a couple of like those extra aspect cards that we've had in the past. Nova will still have a few aspect cards, just not as many as as previous packs did. Um, and yeah, Armadillo is just a normal modular set. You can plug it into pretty much any scenario. Um, he's not, you know, specifically associated with Nova. You don't have to play with that set when you're playing with Nova. Um, but yeah, we, we just thought it was a cool idea. Wanted to try something different, uh, and thought it would be exciting. Yeah, I think that is great. I love that idea. Um, it's nice to hear you'll get a few aspect cards with Nova as well and Armadillo. Um, I hope you guys are able to do that again. It sounds like a perfect spot for our Pace Pop Pete modular set. <laughs> <laughs> you know, giving, giving the villains their due, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Moving in. <laughs> well, while we're talking uh, hero packs and, you know, the aspect cards and Armadillo or whatever we might get in the back, the pre-con itself, are you able to talk a little bit? How, how do you decide in a pre-con how many new cards you might get, how many reprints? Um, which aspect to pick? I mean, that seems like a, a quite a recipe that you'd have to figure out. Yeah, that that's always always a discussion, an ongoing discussion. Uh, generally speaking, so whenever we decide that we're going to do, you know, the the next wave, we'll sit down um, probably a couple weeks before we go to write the vision and actually pitch the wave to the you know the executives, um, and we'll sort of kind of come up just as a group. Uh, come up with who the heroes are, what their sort of general mechanics will be, um, and then we will assign them aspects at that time, just based off of who we feel they, you know, are as a character or their relation to other characters within the specific card pool. Um, and so, you know, in this specific instance, Nova just felt like the best for aggression. And yeah, it's 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 always always a discussion. Like there have been times in the past where we will say assign a character aggression, and then while we're writing the vision or the little bit after we might be like, Oh, you know, I actually, maybe we should do this character's leadership instead. And um, it's it, pretty easy to change it. That's not usually an issue at all. So uh, it's really just about how well it, it sort of all fits together with the theme and then just all of the rest of the set. Well, that's cool. Um, so well, sort of on that vein too, um, we have three campaign boxes or story boxes, and we are about to get our fourth sinister motives coming up here. And each campaign in those boxes has been a different style. Like, just the mechanics have been different, the way the rewards are different. Can we expect a different style campaign in Sinister Motives? I know you probably can't tell us what it is, but will it be It's a new thing? Yeah, it, it'll be a new thing. That That's kind of been... Um, we decided in the Rise of Red Skull... Um, so, so actually, like, the, the whole idea of a campaign was a, kind of a late addition to the Rise of Red Skull. Um, it was something that we we the box was originally just going to be here's five villains that are connected with the story and then 
eventually, you know, we were told like, oh, this should be a campaign. Our other games have campaigns. Let's put a campaign in this one. So uh, at that point, we were like, well, what is a campaign? Um, and we kind of decided what it looked like for the Rise of Red Skull. But we also decided, at you know, during those discussions that it didn't have to be the same across the board. It, it could change and it probably should to make each box feel unique. So, uh, yeah, Sinister Motives will sort of have its own unique mechanic um, that we haven't seen in other boxes before. So uh, and, you know, all of the boxes after will be the same way. Oh, that's cool. I, I like that different sort of uh, game experience depending on the box you're playing. It's yeah, good yeah. I, I, I like how it it makes designing new boxes exciting. I, I think if they were all the same, it would, it would be feel, it kind of feel a little bit rote after, after a point, but um, it's, it's, always, it's always cool to come with those new mechanics and really try to tie them into to, you know, the universe and, and make everything fit. Oh, that's great. I, I wanted to ask, what made you go to the Spider-Verse? Oh, for this 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 specific box? Yeah. Oh man. Um, I think it was just kind of like we had gone through. We sort of had this arc, uh, starting with Rise of Red Skull. And it was sort of our Infinity Stone arc. Um, so in Rise of Red Skull, you first see the is it the Reality Stone or the yeah it's the Reality Stone. Uh, one. Mm-hmm. And then in Galaxy's Most Wanted, you see the Power Stone, and then in Mad Titan Shadow, you see all the other stones. Uh, and once we kind of finished out that arc, we were sort of like, well, you know, what is our next thing? What is our next arc? Um, and the more we talked about it, we were like, well, you know, spider characters are super popular. Like, um, there's there's always a love for spider characters. And we haven't really explored this side of the Marvel Universe yet. Also, like, we've kind of been to space for the last two sets, right? We had Thanos, we had uh, Ronin, and, and all the stuff associated with that it'd be nice to kind of get back onto earth and sort of go city level. And it, this, the, you know, the spider people just kind of felt like they, they fit that super well. So um, just felt like a good next step to sort of kind of break up the pace a little bit. Very cool. I, I like, I just like the term, the spider people fit that really well. <laughs> <laughs> For some reason, that seems to me. Um, uh, so, so speaking of being in space and the gauntlet storyline, who do you think there at FFG is most likely to assemble the Infinity Gauntlet, but for villainous purposes? Oh man, that that's that is an easy one, and it would be Danny Schaefer. Uh, he he worked on uh, the uh, Game of Thrones card game. He worked on Keyforge. He's worked on a couple different things. Um, so very often the the card game department will, I guess not not now, but we used to do a lot of activities together. Uh, and Danny always wins the activities. I don't know how, but he wins everything. <laughs> doesn't matter if it's sport. Doesn't matter if it's a video game. Uh, and, and I think he's made some like diabolical deal or something. So I, I think he would would take that and and assemble the uh, Infinity Gauntlet. And I don't even know what he'd do with it. I think he'd be like, "Hey guys, I got it," and that that would be it. But... <laughs> <Lord> <laughs> like, oh yeah, cool, Danny, you won. Uh, so. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Danny would get it. Everybody else would try, but Danny would do it first. Like, no problem. Would it wouldn't it. even be a competition. Oh, that's good. That's a name I hadn't heard before. So, that's good. yeah, yeah. D- uh, Danny's done a lot of a lot of good work. He's been on quite a few of uh, FFG's card games. So, I guess if you haven't played uh, the Game of Thrones card game or or, or Keyforge much, then um, his name's not familiar. But if you played those, he was I think he he was he was one of the designers for for both of those games for a long time. Okay, yeah, I, I played Keyforge for a little while. So. Mm, yeah. Well, Mike, do you have do you have any last questions here for Mr. Boggs? 
I think I'm emptied out. Yeah, you, you've been very generous with your time and answering all of our questions. Thanks so much for coming on. It's been a pleasure. We're always happy to have you on. Um, hopefully you can come back when whatever the next box is you work on is out, and we can ask you questions about that maybe after the Sinister Motives uh, releases. Yeah, it'd be awesome. Awesome. Well, Mike, how do the folks get a hold of us? Hey, folks. Do you got any plans for getting rid of the spider people sneaking around the city? Email us at criticalencounterspod at gmail.com. We are Critical Encounters on Facebook. You can find our YouTube channel by searching for Critical Encounters Podcast. And on Discord, we are Vardane, Big Fumbloaf, and Wandering Duke. If you like our show, tell your friends. If you don't like our show, tell your enemies. Venom, take us out. Ooh, decisions, decisions. What should we break first? Your nose, your neck, or what passes for your spine?